Welcome back to Tent Talks, everyone. We're so glad to be here today. It's feeling like spring, and I'm loving that. Our entire episode today is going to be centered around self-care and what we're experiencing in our bodies, and I think collectively. So I think we'll skip the check-ins and go into our topic We're going to be talking about different ways we can reground, take care of ourselves. You know, we hear this word a lot, self-care, talk more about what that does and maybe should look like. And Liz, why don't you describe the difference between coping and self-care? Well, self-care, it can be a really broad category. But when I ask clients, you know, how they're doing with self-care, I really try to keep them focused on how they're being still with their bodies, how they're having spaces to really rest and recover, things their body wants to do. I ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want to be doing? Instead of kind of like the world has these checklists of self-care, like some people think of it as personal hygiene things or even like therapy is self-care. Well, it can be, but it also can be self-work. And when I think about self-care, I think about pleasure, you know, like what feels good. Mm -hmm. Self-work is obviously valuable. We should be doing that. But if everything is task-oriented, our body eventually revolts and says, nope, (laughs) not today, right? Yeah. Well, I've had to redefine self-care a lot of times because it got so wrapped up in a weird, like capitalistic yes. boss babe. Yeah. And also like strangely kind of white centered and racist a little bit too. Yeah. Like, like I think of walking into Bath and Body Works or something and like, yeah. like it's like overwhelming self care smells and things and you know yeah so it kind of got gross for a while so I've had to redefine it several times in a way that works for me and it's coming back to the joy and the pleasure and the receiving in the body that is nourishing it helps me reassociate with my body and take sweet good care of my body in ways that feel good to me specifically yeah I love that kind of nourishing you said receiving, I love that, and connecting, like it self-connects. Coping is a management-based practice where you're managing some symptoms because maybe you don't have the ability in that moment to practice self-care. So you're doing things like tapping or, you know, fidgeting, or you're going through some mindfulness exercise because you have to, in a way, distract yourself from maybe being triggered or having a panic attack. And that's what we talk about with coping skills, you know. But we all cope on the regular, maybe without even knowing it. And these things can be necessary, but they can also dissociate us from the body, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I think coping is, in a lot of ways, involuntary. Like, we have to do that. Yeah. We have to do that to maintain our personhood. And some of it is conscious, some of it is subconscious. Yeah. We, one, something that I think is fascinating is we all have automatic subconscious coping behaviors that we do. And you see these in children, and sometimes they're mislabeled as ticks. And ticks are sometimes serving that purpose to be 
important yeah. coping skills for them. Like that's why we love fidget toys for kids. But you know, sometimes I just need to like feel something in my hands. You see people maybe twisting up their hair. I'm a hair twister. Um, you know, you see kind of bouncing with body, like maybe tapping a pen or playing with something or or picking at nails. And while I get why other people might feel distracted by another person's coping behaviors, we should see it as that though. Like this is important for them Mm -hmm. to do to cope. Chewing gum. Yeah. Just those like automatic things. Yeah. Yeah. Their body is, is self soothing, self coping. And these actually are good mechanisms. They're not toxic. They shouldn't be stopped unless they are harming us. Right. So it's important to see it that way. And probably a cue that maybe we need more self care mm-hmm. when we we start doing it a lot, right? When we start needing to do it a lot or excessively. Yeah. So in this episode, we wanted to share our top three self care and explain why we like them, variations, when we do them, just to kind of get some ideas flowing to you guys because. It's been a lot lately in the world, and we have to protect ourselves in ways that connect us to humanity. And sometimes we avoid that because it's very painful. And we were talking before this episode started about how when we're doing a lot of these self-care processes, it brings us closer to our humanity because we're taking care of ourselves. And we're taking care of the fact that we are human and humans have needs and that's okay. And so to really take care of yourself is sometimes the most compassionate thing to do for everyone else because it connects you to your core humanity, which connects you to everybody else. And we need more of that going on. I'll give a experience I had yesterday. You know, we don't all have the luxury to do this in the moment like this, but maybe we do, we just don't think we do. But I was driving down State Street and saw this young man, maybe early 20s, running down the street holding a full pulled Ukraine flag and just running, obviously not with a destination, but just to fly his colors, you know, just to educate or stand with his people or maybe he's not Ukrainian, but he just wanted to connect with that, you know, and that was that was a way that he was probably being authentic and doing something that was self care for him. And it was so inspiring to me in that moment, that I pulled over and turned up my music that's that's something that I loved connecting with and just had a good cry about it and just felt just allowed myself to feel emotional and inspired by that. Yeah, it's very moving because I'm getting teary just thinking about it because we're all continuing living our lives and there's chaos and we're trying to get to work on time and appointments and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, we're totally aware that there's a war going on to some of our brothers and sisters abroad and we're just worried about our hair appointments or, you know, going to work or whatever. And we don't really have a lot of choices in that. 
but we can take these moments to be redirected back to humanity and back to compassion and present moment that it's, there's a lot. Yeah. I really wanted to go chase him down and, and give him a, <laughs> you know, a, a teary hug, but that was the best I could do in that moment. And, you know, maybe even just talking about it sends this ripple effect that he had, you know, out into the world. And, and I think we are powerful that way. And so it was a, it was a, a an experience, but oftentimes we deny ourselves that moment of self-care because we got to get somewhere or mm-hmm. there's rowdy kids in the car or, you know, uh, that that's just silly. You know, maybe we justify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of invitations, whether or not we take them is up to us and, and how present we are with ourselves. Yeah. It takes practice, right? I think, you know, maybe some people might listen and think, oh, well, that's just the way Liz and Stacy are, and I'm not that way. But it's practice. Like everything can be, you know, we still have a lot of practice to do. We're not perfect. And, you know, we could learn and keep practicing better ways to express emotion and move our energy and and heal. But, you know, just because we're at different places than maybe other people doesn't mean they can't get there. So we're each going to go through three things. Liz, do you want to share what your first self-care? Yeah, yeah. So I think I mentioned before, I have this infrared mat at home. I'm not exactly sure what they call them online. I ordered it on Amazon. It's supposed to help also reduce a lot of the electromagnetic frequencies that we're exposed to every day, but it, it just has some stones. It heats up, gets nice and toasty. And I just lay on it, you know, I can switch positions and I close my eyes and I visualize kind of the heat coming into my body as definitely healing energy. I kind of visualize that happening. Whether or not it does anything, I think the placebo effect is me visualizing it. And that's really something that regrounds me a lot. Heat is used for healing. Yeah, That is a core foundation of like, Traditional Chinese medicine, our Vedic medicine, our oldest medicine practices are heat. So heat at any level is something that's a regulator and it's helpful. There's something mentally about being wrapped up in a hug that it gives, right? Like the Mm -hmm. heat versus when you're just walking around, especially through the winter and you're just kind of chilly all the time. You don't get this kind of embrace of heat Mm -hmm. a lot. And so having a direct source of heat I love it. I love it so much. And as we're entering spring, spring fever is real. And the return of the sun, it's such a celebration. Yeah. Because we're all longing to be, I mean, the sun is healing. The heat is healing. Some people don't like a lot of sun like me, but I, I still can't deny that heat and feeling the sun on my face or laying on an infrared mat is there is a component to it that's very nurturing and healing. Yeah. And they have infrared saunas and they have places you can go, you know, if you want maybe a immersive experience, but I'm glad you said that about the sun. Cause yeah, in the warmer months, it'll just be laying out at a park on the grass with the sun. And, and I imagine energy coming out from the earth too. If anybody has read or studied like grounding techniques, like earthing, 
And I just imagine myself kind of being recharged like a battery. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's very rejuvenating. There's a visualization that I like to think about when I think about earthing. And, you know, like poles of power lines, if there's a live wire, they bury it in the ground. Wow. Yeah. And so I like to think when I'm like chaotic and I've got this fiery energy, when I just put my body on the ground, the very act of doing that neutralizes myself. Yeah. And I, I really do think earthing is such a powerful technique and it's free. And with these infrared sauna mats, I think it's very intentional that they put stones, not only as like a conduit to spread the heat, but stone is earth and the earth, like even touching it in, you know, a stone mat kind of way, that's helpful. Yeah, that is a form of grounding and earthing. That's so interesting that you talked about an electrical wire, like a power line. Maybe we'll have to have like a neuroscientist on one day, but one of my clients is studying neuroscience and she she told me the other day that, you know, after getting down to the kind of cellular makeup, like we're all electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we know that like we can, when we rub our hands together and like do those experiments where we like, Keep yeah, a, like hold a balloon, you know, yeah, or with or our the, static electricity. Mm-hmm. And we know that as like even young kindergarten age kids, but like we forget that when we're older. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Something that I do regularly that I was just introduced to this past year is called Reiki. And I believe that the word actually means either universal or life force energy. And so basically back to that makeup construct that we're all energy, you know, that everything is energy or electricity. And and so we have this ability to, at least this is kind of my interpretation of it. Everyone can kind of develop their own personal interpretation, but that there's energy all around us, right? Even in the air and and other objects and other people, and we can actually pull from that energy to heal. So something that I do is just lay, maybe I'm in my bed or, or just laying on the floor, and I either put my hands on my heart, like the chakra, heart chakra area. My throat chakra is also one that I do a lot because it gets, it gets kind of staticky and chaotic. And I just, I visualize and I, maybe I close my eyes and I visualize this flowing of light, almost like these waterfalls of, of light particles kind of moving in and, and surrounding that area. And, and what's really cool is like having a visualization that we have now of like what the human body even looks like inside and kind of visualizing that light energy going in and radiating out through those organs and cells and like in your lungs. I think this could be a really powerful activity for, you know, people healing from COVID, like imagining it, you know, radiating out through all of those bronchioli is what they're called, I think, and just healing it, you know, and just spending time doing that, like connecting with the energy around us, very powerful. Did you know that a lot of cancer wards in hospitals, they offer like follow-up treatments. And one of the things that they offer is often Reiki. 
it guided imagery healing, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of it. Yeah. yeah. But I think for, well, massage is contraindicated for anybody who has cancer or is recovering, but there's something very undeniable about hands-on healing and touch. And the interesting thing about Reiki is that you don't even need to make direct contact with the skin because the energy is there. Yeah. The skin is just an illusion. If you zoom out far enough, we just can see the particles of where a body begins, but our body starts way outside of like the skin. And you notice that when somebody stands too close to you, or when you can feel somebody because you're feeling it in this essence that's you. Like, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? When I, yeah. is that a, oh yeah. When yeah. the other week you came to me with, was it a, was it a scent? Oh yeah, maybe. And you said, this is used to create a shield. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering that right? You are. Yeah. Yay. And that's one of the things I've been visualizing with my my personal Reiki practice too, is kind of like expanding that awareness of my body and how maybe I can even create this kind of nurturing and protective shield around my body. And that's been really, really just fun to explore. I think that's a necessity for me to do that. It's part of energetic hygiene for me just as like, in my practice, because I want to have a clear energy field stepping into sessions. And I don't want to leak on other people. And I also don't want to take all of their stuff home with me. Yeah, we can do that. We can absorb a lot too. Yeah, it is beneficial for both parties. Mm -hmm. What's your other one? Definitely nature walks or hiking. You know, we live in a beautiful area where there's lots of that. But, you know, even people that live in the city, like there's beautiful parks, even just walking down the street, there's just so much that happens internally. I do feel like getting my bearings in the world, like just stepping out, you know, panning out this like peripheral existence instead of my little narrow lifestyle, like where I go to work every day and, you know, go shopping, like, this helps me reground and and i really try to at least schedule you know half a day in doing something like that because well it you know it'd be great if i had time every day i don't you know to do something on that scale where i'm really feeling self care and experiencing the stillness through my body takes takes a good amount of time mm-hmm. And I think there's something powerful of even being outside of walls, like our, our consciousness, our, our eyes, our brain, we switch on and off things, just even being inside a building because we're covered by walls. And so when you go outside, just the very idea of not being in something with like 90 degree angles. Yeah. It's healing for the brain. Yeah. Your brain starts to undo a little bit. It starts to spiral down. Yeah. I think you can even feel that the difference because we talked also about pleasure cruises in the car and like a long drive are also good ways. But if you've ever been on a motorcycle ride versus the car, even that difference, Mm -hmm. like it's massive. Yeah. You feel that. Yeah. 
So Stacy, what are some of yours? How can people listening get some more ideas on self-care? One of my favorite things is water. I love I love taking baths and baths are something that are to me are so versatile. Like sometimes I will be sobbing my eyes out in a bath and it feels the like the most healing thing. Sometimes I'll be singing at the top of my lungs. Yes. Sometimes it's a bath bomb. Sometimes it's a mud bath. I love doing baking soda. I love doing Epsom salts. I love magnesium flakes. There's so much variation. I love... You um, really feel the relaxing. I mean, it's yeah. real. Yeah. yeah. I can do herbs and do like an herbal bath, essential oils, do some aromatherapy. I feel like even the process of your body entering the water, like getting acclimated to the heat or changing the temperatures, like, you mm-hmm. know, oh, there's yeah. so much to do in a bath. And I feel like I could spend half of my day every day in the bath. But it's because I do so much healing in the bath. To me, it's really, it's essential. Like I will never live anywhere without a bathtub because that's a core part of how I do my self-care. And even at the end of a hard day, just like getting into a bath with some salts, that's everything I've ever needed. You can do stretching in the bath, just yeah, it's, it light doesn't the candle have the steam. It's starting to make sense to me why we do birthing in tubs, you uh-huh. know, mm-hmm. yeah, makes sense. And these people that are doing, you know, maybe a lot of them are doing it because it's faddish, but these like cold dips, right? These like they go find a cold river or they have ice barrels, you know, what are some of the benefits or what are they looking for when they do those these ice baths? From what I understand, it is about getting present and practicing breathing techniques yeah. to manage yourself through the cold because the cold actually resets your nervous system because it's a shock to the system. So some people need to be shocked back into their body and they need to practice this like deep breathing, and then they can extend the amount of time. And after a certain amount of time, your body will regulate and you'll be able to extend and actually like manage the warmth in your body so that you can stay in there longer. Maybe they feel empowered by this Mm -hmm. and developing resilience and yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I going along the lines with like water healing. I love to go to hot springs. I love to do river dips in the summer. I'm not like much of a cold plunger in the winter and fall, <sighs> but like I love to go in a cool body of water. Um, yeah. Just even putting your feet in. It's, it's so regenerative to me. So even with hydrotherapy in my line of work with like helping people with swelling or inflammation in the body. Like I always recommend hot and cold therapies because it increases the blood flow. But a lot of athletes will soak in an ice bath to reduce the inflammation. Well, and to clarify, you don't have to be an athlete. Well, yes. I'll have inflammation, right? (laughs) To clarify, (laughs) you could just like move your neck. Yeah. 
uh, and in a get, weird way. Yeah, yeah, or just have, you know, yeah, inflammation <laughs> in the body because of stress, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah. it's healing on all those grounds. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of exploration with water being a huge healing conduit and temperature is a part of that for sure. And then also all those accoutrement, all those things that you can add to an experience because you can create an experience for yourself anytime you do something. It's really up to you and your mindfulness. Yeah. And how much you put into something. Yeah. That presence with self. But I think it really comes back to do what feels good for you because other people might be doing that. You might think, oh, well, should I be doing that? Like, let your body talk to you. Maybe that's not the most important thing for you to be doing right now. And some people hate baths and are shower people, or they maybe like swimming or float. Like my sister, one of her favorite things to do is to float on her back in outdoor bodies of water. Yeah. And wow. look at the sky. That is like her number one joy yeah. thing to do. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So my number two self-care practice is a term I was introduced to. So we all know what affirmations are. They're affirming statements. However, sometimes it's hard to get the brain to go along with an affirmation. Let's just take the affirmation of, I am wealthy. Well, what if you're saying I am wealthy to yourself and you actually have like 50 cents in the bank account? Your brain is automatically going to say, no, you're not. You're a liar because you have 50 cents in your bank account. But if you attach the words, what if to any affirmation, what if I am wealthy? It changes the brain and the brain starts asking and starts getting into this curiosity place and starts asking questions. Well, what would that look like? What does that mean to me? What if, what would that feel like? Because Mm -hmm. there's such a difference between a statement versus a question and how the body responds. And even feeling it in the body has a totally different response. So I have a friend who's a therapist and she started using affirmations with her clients. And some of the affirmations were, what if I am safe? What if I felt safe? And one of her clients just started crying because she knew like that there was a big distance between her and, and feeling safe in that moment. She could tell that just by the simple statement of doing an affirmation rather than an affirmation because her brain couldn't process. I am safe because there were too many barriers well, that. and it can also dismiss the reality, right? That mm-hmm. maybe they aren't completely safe, mm-hmm. but the information provides more of a bridge to, like you said, exploring and what that could feel like. And almost like, I deserve to feel those things. Yeah. What if I am loved? What if I am safe? What if I have everything I need in this moment? What if, I mean, I could go on and on because... It feels good to me to say what if statements rather than I am statements or I have. And that could change at a different time in my life when I feel stronger or my nervous system feels more regulated. But for right now, getting into a what if place with myself fosters curiosity and it fosters 
having a conversation and that's a place where I can be right now with myself. What if my body has everything I need right now? What if I'm perfect right now? Mm. Yeah. Exploring that. Like like just yeah, we like I would love to invite people to explore that and come up with their own information and just put it right there on the fridge or somewhere where you're going to see it and and practice it. Mm-hmm. It's huge. The mindset, the mind is so incredibly powerful. Really powerful. Mm-hmm. So my third self-care practice is coffee dates and or just having a drink that I like all the time. I love specialty drinks and maybe it's because I'm a Taurus. I don't know. But I love having something good to drink. And that could be electrolyte water. But it also could be a coffee date with a girlfriend. It could be, you know, there was a time I was really attached to sparkling water with jasmine, (laughs) with a hint of jasmine, and I called it like the queen drink. Yeah. But these little things that we have that are simple pleasures. Yeah are really important. They are important. And I feel like capitalism was really kind of condescending, like, oh, well, you could have a house if you didn't have your drink every day. It's like, you know what? A $2 this drink is, this every might day be more beneficial is a luxury someone. to me. Yeah. yeah. Our brain is reward-centered, and so we need to work with that, not against it, with these little daily feedings. You yeah, know. it's an immediate dopamine booster. And sometimes I just need that to get through the next couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Helps us live more in the now. And I, that's something I've had to learn because I used to be a self depriver for kind of the big reward. And that kept me definitely in the state of starvation, lack of brain rewards and anxiety. Yeah. And something really fun about just getting a drink, it's a really great way to connect with people. Yeah. A lot of people can make it for a drink and not for, you know, a lunch might or a dinner might be too much of a commitment. But hey, do you want to go grab a drink? Yeah. You get 15 minutes with someone you love or bringing them a gift of a drink. It's so easy to do. And And it's a great way with kids too, because I think we sometimes feel such shame as parents. Oh, I should be doing these grandiose things like... No, just spend five minutes with them. Go get their favorite drink. It's so delicious. And ask them a few questions about their day. Yeah. It's one of my very favorite things to do is just have a drink of choice every yeah. day. Oh, I love that. Well, we hope that you can take some ideas and create your own at the same time. Yeah. And just take good, sweet care of yourself. That's Really what self-care is, is it's a nourishing way to add more pleasure and joy in your days to connect to your core humanity. I'm worth it. We're worth it. Yeah. What if we're worth it? What if we're worth it? What would that look like? Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, you guys.